sometimes we have to have that zoomed out perspective. And I really think that taking a covenant look at the Old Testament and New Testament in this unity of the story helps us to have that zoomed out look when we don't get into our like daily little whatever drama and we can pull back and say, you know what, whatever's going on in my life, God has promised this is all for good. This is all moving in his direction. And I can just agree with it. Even if I hate it, I can agree with it because I see that God has a whole bigger thing going on than whatever's going on in my life right now. And again, I'm not trying to minimize things that people experience. I know they're hard. Job's life was hard, but it was one life in a long, long story. Hi there, and welcome back to Study with Friends. We've been studying the covenantal themes of land, descendants, and special relationship through the Old Testament. This week, we will continue through our final series on the Latter Prophets. If you've missed any part of this series or would like the homework to follow along, you can find it at our website, studywithfriends.org. Just search Old Testament. If you can't catch us on our weekly time, feel free to stream us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And now we're available on YouTube. Let's open up God's Word. So the king is the hand of God and the prophet is the mouth of God might be a better way to understand it. So the prophet brings God's word, but the king does God's work. If there are high places, if people are worshiping wrongly, it's the king's job to tear those high places down. It's the king's job to lead the country in a right way. And so Saul did that for a little bit and then he lost his way. David did did that for a little bit, and then he lost his way. But when he lost his way, the prophet came alongside and said, a message from the Lord, a message from the Lord. Veggie tales. Uh, oh my gosh, I thought you were doing Hamilton. No, no, <laughs> that's a message from the king. Um, uh, so, so, I think I used the wrong tune. I used the message I from the king. When I, <laughs> I, think I think that was Hamilton. Okay, so so that, that prophet was there to keep the balance of power and keep everybody's eyes on the rightful sovereign, which is God. That God is basically saying, okay, Israel, I'll allow you to have a king, but here's the prescription for a right king. And if he doesn't follow that, then I will remove him from his throne. Is that kind of like the conditional unconditional thing? Yes, Not very much, thing? very much. Yeah. So so God is going to protect the nation through good and bad kings, but he's going to allow consequences mm-hmm. um, through good and bad kings as well. So he's going to protect the line. He's going to protect his promised land. There's some beautiful language in the... Um, in I want to say judges beautiful language about God saying and the land will have its sabbaths and the land will rest like even when the people weren't treating the land right God was protecting the land and God was protecting the descendants and God was protecting and preparing for a new special relationship with him so that's the unconditional but the conditional is a mess that's what we're looking at in the Old Testament is all this conditional terrible behavior that humans are doing and what we're seeing here guys is this like slow decline Right. So people were making mistakes in Genesis, but the kinds of mistakes they were making in Genesis versus the kinds of mistakes they were making, like in Judges and then through into the monarchies, different league. Yeah. And so we see this. I, I call it a downward spiral. So we've, we have like a, um, a cycle, which is um, happiness, complacency, rest in the promised land, rest from our enemies. We get complacent. And what do we do when we become complacent is we sin. And then God brings oppression and then the oppression causes repentance and then his 
mercy um, is piqued because of their repentance and he delivers them. So we have sin, oppression, repentance, deliverance. But each time it happens, it's not a cycle that repeats in the same plane. It actually starts to go down. So it's a spiral. So the next time they sin, it's worse. And the next time they sin, it's worse. And the next time the oppression comes, it's worse. And so this is what we're seeing, like this crumbling of the human structure, which God said, lean on me. I, I will guide you. I will, I'm a pillar of fire and, and cloud. Like I am intimately with you. Lean on me. But they became complacent in the promised land. And they were like, we want a king like the rest of the night. We want to look like everybody, like middle schoolers. We want to be like everybody else. And God was like, but you're special. I picked you to be special. And they just rejected that. And so the, de- the degradation. So what we see here is in Kings, I also gave you a cheat sheet for that. So let me not get jump ahead for that. Okay, so um, questions about that. We're actually in the place where you wanted to call out. So do you want to, um, I, mm-hmm. I wrote in here, the cry of the letter prophets is for Israel to return to her God. What I'll, I'll I keep, uh, well, I'll read it. You'll notice that as Israel and Judah spiral deeper into sin, and that spiral is important. Remember that's downward spiral. Mm-hmm. More prophets are called by God to proclaim repentance. Now, before I say the next um, mathematical stats, I want to ask you a question. Did you ever go up to your mom, like when you were little or yesterday, and be like, mom, 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 right? Why do you do that? Like, what's you the motivation? You'll be more effective. You'll yeah. think you'll or, get their attention. Yes. You weren't listening. Get her attention. Yeah. So the point is that if you say something more often and louder, there's a natural reason for that. It's because the person you're talking to is not paying attention. Okay, so um, then comes the metrics that you liked. So in the 100 years of Saul, David, and Solomon, there were two prophets, Samuel and Nathan. In the roughly 400 years of the rest of the monarchy and the exile, which, by the way, isn't even 400 years. It's only 345. There were 23 prophets. And remember, um, you're like, wait a minute, three Mm -hmm. majors, Mm -hmm. uh, 12 minors. That doesn't add up to 23. Remember that not every prophet has a book named after him. Okay. So I had to go to Sophia, who's my math whiz in the house. Mm -hmm. And I said, so here's the numbers. Mm -hmm. I need to know what the percent increase is. And so we have, no, you don't. You have to multiply it in a complicated way. And so she's, uh, we figured out. cross? No, mm-hmm. it, it, just know that Sophia did the work and you can rely on it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it's, but it is a 187.5% increase in the number of prophets. And then there were more than one prophet at a time. Okay. So mm-hmm. w- what happened was when things were going right, God just had one mouthpiece. People listened to him. People heard him. People moved on. Right. But as people stopped listening and stopped paying attention, God raised up more noise. And that's when they started doing like public art shows. Yeah. Like uh, we call those symbolic actions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of them was in the street for a long time, right? There's a lot of um, symbolic actions and that's a whole Bible study on its own. Okay. So I just want to make a, put a point on it Uh, in the homework. I asked what note here, what a dramatic increase in profits likely reflected in the relationship between God and Israel. Sounds like the thing that you said with the mom, 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 they're not listening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
they can't god is not getting their attention yeah he's saying like my people my people my people yeah and and they're just the ignoring him yeah. yep okay great thank you okay so the next piece, now we're going to go a little bit more um, on the homework. So the next piece of the homework, um, I had written a quote in the previous section of the Former Prophets from Alvin McLean, and I, because I love it. It uh, just sums things up about the Davidic covenant. It says, these covenanted rights will now attach permanently to the historic house and succession of David. And by God's grace, these rights, even if historically interrupted for a season, will at last in a future kingdom be restored to the nation in perpetuity with no further possibility of interruption. So that's big brain words. But what what do you think that person is saying about the Davidic covenant? In the former prophets, what I did was I lifted up the um, house and succession of David. But here I want to look at a different part and I want to look at the word interruption. So um, when we think about kings, and if you guys read through 1 Kings 11, 1 to 13, what, um, in light of your understanding of, or as I used McLean to kind of shed some light, um, what, what do you understand the interruptions to be after the Davidic covenant? It's kind of a dense question, but I know like, you can unpack it. I had this written down, but I kind of remember just like the King's shortcomings. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know David went through some things mm -hmm. and like, that didn't mean that God was like, Oh, that's it. Covenant broken. Mm -hmm. Like he still kept his promise. It just, that was, David was some things that he went through was an interruption in that covenant. Mm -hmm. And then even more so as the Kings successively fall away. Right. So these interruptions become bigger and more dramatic. And then we have this huge interruption, which is the exile. And so when we look back, we can see these interruptions are so clear but what we also see is that God's promise is consistent, that he that he holds in the same way that he uh, he holds on to he held on to the Dead Sea Scrolls. He holds his word. He holds his written words, but he also holds his word of promise, his covenant, his he keeps his word. Oh, my gosh. Double meaning. Right. He keeps his word and makes sure that it it, it will come to pass. Um, and I just wanted to sit in that for a minute when we think about the covenants in general, the Davidic covenant specifically, and then how we just have this blessed view of all of it in, in the rear view mirror, but we should receive it in a way that informs our everyday walk. Like I'm such a tiny, tiny piece of this picture. I get so focused on my own crud. Um, I mean, as I don't want it to sound trite, but like Job, if you have a terrible season, Sometimes God just needs to help you zoom out. Like in the last chapters of Job, when God was like, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Where were you when I said to the ocean, this far and no farther? And Job was like, right, <laughs> right? So sometimes we have to have that zoomed out perspective. And I really think that taking a covenant look at the Old Testament and New Testament in this unity of the story helps us to have that zoomed out look when we don't get into our like daily little whatever drama and we can pull back and say, you know what, whatever's going on in my life, God has promised this is all for good. This is all moving in his direction. And I can just agree with it. Even if I hate it, I can agree with it because I see that God has a 
whole bigger thing going on than whatever's going on in my life right now. And again, I'm not trying to minimize things that people experience. I know they're hard. Job's life was hard, but it was one life in a long, long story. See, I'll get hit with an existential crisis at 80 miles an hour if I think about that for too long. But sometimes we need to think yeah. about that mm -hmm. because it takes us out of our atomistic viewpoint of mm -hmm. our own life and gives us, sometimes I use, um, often I use this example. Um, if you've ever seen like a tapestry, we, we, we like to visit castles when we travel and um, they often have tapestries and the big, ta they're huge and they were built to keep the walls, like to keep things warm. It's like this, these mm -hmm. things are hanging. But what happens is, or like a, an impressionist picture or something that you zoom way in on and it makes no sense. But the further you go back from it, the further you get away from it, the more sense it makes. That's God's story and my part in it. I'm a tiny little stitch. A lot of my stitch might not make sense. Maybe it's all black thread and nothing good happened. My life is a stitch or uh -huh. maybe not even a stitch, but you know how thread is like built mm -hmm. of tiny little fibers. Mm -hmm. My life is a tiny fiber, little fiber yeah, thread, in this gigantic tapestry. And I might not be able to make sense out of that fiber and why it's twisted around the way that that thread exists. But someday or sometimes with God's help, I can take a look back and just step back and say, you know what? I'm one life. This is one moment. And I'm just going to trust God that even though it looks cruddy right now, the big picture, I have this advantage of sitting here in this big picture and I have no excuse to say, oh, this is so important. This is all important. I'm not minimizing things. I've experienced some really hard things. I'm not minimizing those. But what I'm saying is for me, it's a comfort to know God loves me and this is part of the plan, whether I like it or not, whether I can see it or not, whether I appreciate it or not. It is part of the plan because that's just how he works. And really ex examining this in the light of the covenants, even, okay, we can even take the covenants into Revelation. And so we see, we really can see that zoomed out perspective. And I, for, I for one, am helped by that, you know, to be reminded that it's not all about me and that my life is, it's okay if things aren't going right right now, it's all going to be okay in the light of eternity. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, maybe that's helpful for some people. Maybe it's not. No, I'm just having one of those 80 <laughs> mile an hour existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh boy. Okay. So since you're sleeping over, we can put on our pajamas and unpack that. I just, I just feel the need to lay on the floor and look at the ceiling for a while. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a good analogy I remember from like, I don't even know if I just came up with this now or if I like remember it from when I was like a kid, but like an ant farm. Like, and you mm -hmm. have, like, the little magnifying glass. You can, like, watch one ant, like, make a little cave or, like, do something. And then you're We're like. Just <laughs> we are We're just, just ants. ants. I think the thread thing gets me more. just ants with rights and anxiety. Wait, shh. Yeah. I didn't hear what ants No, said. the thread thing gets me more. Like, like if you've, I mean, like, you guys have seen, like, um, like a yeah. thread. Like, like, like you look at your clothes. Stitch. Yeah. This is all, like. Yeah, like. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, but you know what I'm thinking about for you is those beautiful clothes yeah. that you like your beautiful mm -hmm. prom dress, mm -hmm. how intricate and beautiful mm -hmm. it was. That to me, it makes much more sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because like, you can see the intricacy. Because there's a homogenization yeah, of your shirt. Kind of but you're, when you think of a beautiful work, mm -hmm. yes. a beautiful work of art, because mm -hmm. that's what God is doing. It's not just a sweatshirt. It's I love your sweatshirt. Anything. But it's not mm -hmm. just a hoodie. It is a 
beautiful work of art. And again, if you've ever like zoomed in on an impressionist painting, like it's just pricks yeah. of paint. Yeah. But if you zoom out, that's what made the impressionist so remarkable. This is the same idea, you guys. These are all artists creating mm -hmm. and they're reflecting what God's creation mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And so there are, there are parallels there. Yeah. yeah. Your prompter was so proud. <laughs> I know. Thank you. Yeah. So Just that, don't you think right. that's a better example? <laughs> yes, definitely. Because Just there's intricacies yeah. there <laughs> and there are tiny little flecks mm -hmm. of color in some mm -hmm. of the threads and they're, they're just, and maybe you're just that one fleck of color and mm -hmm. you're, but you're reflecting light and in your way. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it makes that big picture come yeah. together. It's like yeah. those like videos. I see them on TikTok all the time of someone, they'll be painting something and you see them adding like a little bit of white somewhere and you're like, I don't even see the white coming out. And then they zoom out and you're like, how is that? How did you paint that? Mm -hmm. It's just That's like why people love to watch Bob Ross. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so can we read together um, Deuteronomy 17, 14 to 20? All right. Uh, Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 to 20. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you and have taken possession of it and settled in it, and you say, let us set a king over us like all the nations around us. Be sure to appoint over you a king the Lord your God chooses. He must be from among your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back the, that way again. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of his law, taken from that of the Levitical priests. It is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life, so that he may learn to reserve the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites, and turn from the law to the right or the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. Okay. By the way, just in that last phrase, we see descendants, relationship, and land. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. You can't unsee it. So always, always, if you take nothing out of this, just take those three pieces every time you read the Old Testament and use them as an anchor to figure out what God is trying to say. Okay, so um, I want to just give us the shorthand that what God is, it's W's, okay? So um, in this passage, what God is doing is he's asking the king to be completely dependent on him. That's basically what this passage is about. And so he's warning against weapons, which is what the horses is all about, wives, and wealth. These are things that we might depend on instead of God if we want to feel secure, right? And don't forget that wives were not just for um, emotional, relational comfort. Wives were accumulated, by the way, Gianna, because of political alliances. Right. So wives would provide security because of political alliance. Does that make sense, guys? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're looking at ways that we don't want to do these. Don't accumulate horses. Don't accumulate wives. And don't accumulate wealth because that will turn your heart from me. And you will learn to depend on those things mm -hmm. instead of depending completely on me. And what he's saying is, all I want you to do is write my word, know my word. And so the last W is worship. 
just keep worshiping me. Don't get stuck in the bad W's. Stay in the good W of worship, and I will provide for you, and I will provide for Israel, and I will sustain you and comfort you and keep you and protect you. And he's not just saying that out of the blue. He has a long history that these kings know, and if they didn't know, they were supposed to write it down and read it every day so that they would be reminded that he's going to keep his promises. He's good, he's good for them. Right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you relate? Are there other? So I gave you the, we shouldn't exclude this like, oh, well, that was written to the, the kings and it's not really relevant to me. So let's just really quickly do some work in that. Is there anything in there that helps you relate to that? Is there anything that you depend on or that you could find yourself depending, you can imagine yourself depending on that um, could distract you from complete dis- dependency on Christ, on God? I'll go first. Money. I was going to say. I was going to say money. Yeah. I like, and I don't. I wouldn't say I worship students. money, but it, it's it's it nerve wracking if you feel mm-hmm. like you aren't going to have money mm-hmm. because then you're like, where am I going to live? Land, home, belong. What's going to happen to my family relationships? Um, and and I've distracted myself from my relationship with God. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. We need T-shirts because <laughs> it's just everywhere. Okay, so so you did just drop some new T-shirts on the website, though. I did. You? I did. Really? We did. Yeah, you should shop so a little you on go the website. Studywithfriends.org and check those out. Yeah, <laughs> good job, baby. <laughs> yes, Caitlin puts it on Instagram for us, <laughs> uh, we, and we do get there's usually orders when you do that. So oh, good, good job. Yeah. So Caitlin runs our social media. Little spoiler alert. Okay, <laughs> so she's the one who's doing it all. <laughs> so thankful for how timeless and timely God's Word is. Thanks again for joining us on this multi-series journey studying God's covenantal promises throughout the Old Testament. We are a weekly Bible study just like you'll find at your local church. If you aren't in a study like this one, we encourage you to join one. Make sure that the church is teaching from the Bible in every situation. In Matthew 10, Jesus sent out his disciples to preach the gospel, instructing them, freely you have received, freely give. We take that command serious here at Study With Friends, so we have created tons of resources on our website that are all free for you to use. They're at studywithfriends.org. Much like the disciples who relied on the generosity of a host, we are 100% donor-supported. If you have been particularly blessed by our ministry, would you consider making a donation? Monthly partners are especially helpful to us, and no amount is too small. If you are willing to give it, we would be grateful and blessed to have it. You can donate on our website one time or become a monthly partner. That's at studywithfriends.org forward slash donate. We would love to connect with you and hear how your walk is going. We also love to get prayer requests from you. You can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Or if you prefer, you can email us at info at studywithfriends.org. Remember, you can stream us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Plus, you can now see our studies on YouTube. No matter which way you choose, we hope that you will connect with us. For now, we hope you'll join us next time when we study with friends. Mm-hmm.